good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 571 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Android is closing up the camera, Epic, Epic is closing in on Apple, and DC is showing off for its fans. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, or of course on our website, plugitslive.com, thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways you can do that. You can join us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you'll see uh, a chat. You'll see us live. You'll be able to speak with us and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them, which Avram and I always love to hear. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. You can always subscribe at plugitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all the ways that you can watch or listen. Abram, how have you been this week? Oh, decent, decent. Um, you know, lots, uh, lots of stuff to work on, but I always feel like not getting enough stuff, stuff done. Having been uh, te- trying to test Raspberry Pi cameras for a roundup, and they keep. Uh, keep having problems trying to figure out how I'm going to take a picture outside with one uh, and get get in an ang- the right angle because you got to carry a battery and yeah. a thing and a thing. And it's it's a hassle um, for sure. Uh, but I'm excited because very soon um, I am going to be doing a PC build in my house. Yay. We, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for for a story for work. Uh, but, um, and actually when I get that done, we should, maybe we should talk about it. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, going to be a sub $800, uh, the best PC you can build for under $800 and, uh, under $500 we've, we've done many times, but that's really hard to, to cut, uh, and get mm-hmm. something good. So get something really good, uh, for this, for under $800, we're getting something pretty, pretty good. And uh, and I'm going to be building it and, and testing it out, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to. I haven't I've gotten some of the parts. When all the parts come, to find a way to clean this space behind me or something so I can photograph the work. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because it's been a while since I've done a full PC build, and I'm going to show my son who has never done one. Oh, that's really cool. What a what a fun project to to get to do together. Yeah. yeah. I haven't it's so we're looking forward looking forward to it. I haven't done a full build in a long time, though the upgrade to the broadcast machine was was pretty close. I think the case and the uh the motherboard or uh, the case and the uh the what? Maybe just the case. Oh the hard drive <laughs> were the only bits that stayed behind. So that's that's pretty close yeah. to a, a clean build. This is everything everything from scratch. Everything and out of the plastic. One thing I just will. Th- yes, one thing I will throw because 
we're also trying to show what someone could do. So it sure. wouldn't be right to, to try and recycle a part. But the one thing I will say to folks who are, who are thinking of building a PC, and we've covered this on Tom's Hardware as well, buy your power supply right now because the price of power supplies has been rising and we think it's going to rise even more. And it's the cost is ludicrous. We bought one for 54, I think it was $59. That is a 600 watt uh, thermal take. And it's clearly an older model because it says on it, Haswell ready. Haswell was the Intel chipset of like six, seven years ago or something. Uh, so nevertheless, it should work with all of our parts. But but anyway, yeah, the cost of power supplies is going way up. Yeah. And that's one of those things that people really don't want to spend a lot of money on because it's the least the least glamorous component in your entire computer. Yeah, for sure. And other than, you know, customization and things like that, it's the uh, least uh, uh, performance performant uh, or performance enhancing component in the system. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, we we cover it a lot on Tom's Hardware where the best ones are and all that. And certainly if you want something that is really energy efficient and things like that, then, you know, by at, if, especially if you're doing overclocking, mm -hmm. then then you might want to spend more. But man, the, if you're on a budget, that's the last thing you want to put money toward. For true. Um, yeah. The, yeah, I the the power i think the power supply changed in this one too and uh i can't remember now <laughs> but but yeah i you're just like uh it works i i don't care it works <laughs> so long as i'm not going to have to replace yeah. it in a year and uh it does what i need eh, it's it's good enough so <laughs> makes sense that's how that's how most people feel about it yeah uh on my side we are Finishing up the uh, office and studio move, which uh, for our our uh, regular listeners and viewers, this will be the last week in this studio. Uh, next week we will be off because all of this will be in pieces, and um, the week after we will come back in the uh, in the new studio. And uh, if everything goes right, we should have a new backdrop. We'll see if everything goes right. Because, you know, it's 2020 and it would be the first thing all year to go right. So um, we'll see. But uh, uh, worst case scenario, it won't look any different. Best case scenario, it'll be completely different. And I'm very excited about it. So uh, so for our live viewers next week, we will not be on uh, and we will come back in two. And that uh, that applies to all of the things <laughs> that uh, I'm involved in from the studio. Uh, GNC Week in Review won't be on. This won't be. Obviously, Pilch Point won't be. But we will be back the week after. I'm very excited. The new studio is almost double the space that we have in this one. And uh, we should be able to, in time, have three separate sets that we can do different shows from uh, with different capabilities. So if, uh, if Avram and I want to have a, a guest on the show... Uh, We'll be able to do that because the speed will be better. Uh, we'll also have screens physically in the room to be able to support it. Super excited about it. That's coming very soon uh, because that's something that Avram and I have wanted to do for a long time. Like 
since 2016 we've been talking about it and we just didn't have the the uh, speeds in here if uh if you guys watched any of the drew project stuff that we did you uh watched our our connection cut out a couple of times and heck you've watched abram's connection cut out from time to time in this studio with just one connection so in the new studio, we'll have lots of new capabilities. So, once again, next week we will not be on. We will be back in two in the new thing. Uh, and with that, uh, let's get down to this week. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a new Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And you can find out about all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right, so... Uh, we will get into the differences a little bit more uh, a little later, and we've talked about it a lot over the years, but uh, Android and iOS are very different. <laughs> iOS is a, a very closed system, which uh, Epic has pointed out time and again, whereas Android uh, has always been known as a, a very open system. Uh, the fact that it's based on Linux certainly lends lends to that. The fact that there's an open source version of it uh, is part of that as well. But over the years, we've seen some changes to that. Uh, we saw uh, Google uh, start talking about how you can't use the Android logo on your on your marketing unless you support the Play Store. You can't use... Uh, uh, it, it has to say powered by Android at some point during boot or something like that. There were all kinds of little rules that have showed up over the years, but by and large... <laughs> Uh, the operating system has remained very customizable, very open. Uh, we see uh, custom app stores, right? That was one of Epic's big big complaints that, you know, there's there's the Amazon app store, there's uh, uh, the Galaxy store, other ways to install apps, lots of things that you can do. But Android 11 is going to introduce a new limitation that I'm intrigued by. Um so uh, default apps is one of the things that Android has basically always supported. One of the things that I love, and I cannot believe that it has taken 14 versions of iOS for Apple to finally support. But even Apple does not support custom cameras. <laughs> uh, right now, it's just going to be browser and email. Uh, but Android has custom cameras and all kinds of things that you can set as your default. Double tap the power. The camera of your choice will open. In Android 11, that won't always be the case. Uh, right now, Android 10 and below, when an app asks to take a picture, it will also open your camera of choice so that the experience is what you're already familiar with. You know how to use your camera app, so that's what opens. In Android 11, that won't be the case. It will open the default on-device camera app. Now, Google says that the reason for this is because they don't want apps to basically sidestep the permissions for location data. 
one of the things Avery and I talk about all the time is to be careful with the apps that you install because your solitaire game doesn't need access to your contacts. Um, another thing that apps ask for access to that they don't necessarily need is location data. So if they don't ask for it and the third-party camera takes a picture and gives them that data, they can sidestep the permissioning. That is Google's reasoning. Here's my problem with it, Avram. The, the process goes through the operating system. And so, if Google wanted to, they could strip the location data from the EXIF file on the way in if the app doesn't have location data. So, the reasoning isn't entirely sound to me. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's... Obviously, we could accuse Google of a malfeasance here. But at the same time, I'm trying to think of the scenario, and I'm sure you probably have some better examples where this would really matter. You're talking about another app firing up the camera. So to be clear, if I download a third-party camera app and I want to just take pictures with it, mm -hmm. no problem. Yep. I can take pictures with it. I can, and it will work fully you can as, even, uh, as much as I want. You can even set it as your, your double tap power uh, camera. You double tap the power and that's the right. camera that will open. All that will stay the same. So merely if you're talking about something like I'm in my expense report app, which I, which I have to do when I go on business mm -hmm. trips. Oh, nostalgic <laughs> for that. Um, anyway, we, we take the app. And we go, and when we are, uh, you know, get a receipt, we will take a picture of it and mm -hmm. put it into the put it into a report. And if you're smart, and and you're not running around too much, every single time you get a receipt, every meal you eat, every cab you ride in, you immediately go and do this, so that when so you don't lose them. And when you're done, you just the trip ends. It's it's easy. Now. What you're saying is if that app, which in our case, I think is Concur, if Concur were to, we used to pull up a camera when I hit, they take a picture of receipt of receipt in it, it can only pull up the default camera app, which is the for Samsung phone. It's made by Samsung, right? right? And if you're on a Galaxy, and if you're on a Google phone, it's Google's camera app. Mm -hmm. uh, it can't pull up your third party camera app. Right. I don't feel like as a user that's a big problem because my expectations for what I'm expecting out of those apps that I'm taking a picture with are I'm not expecting to really do a lot of customization to those photos. Now, maybe you have a better example than expense reports where probably nobody cares what the photo looks like. Right. Um, certain, certainly if you're dealing with expenses and stuff like that, it's not as important but maybe you're using um uh i don't know if messenger uses its own but i think it triggers i think it triggers the camera um so maybe you're sending something in messenger which i do a lot <laughs> but i tend to do it from an ios device so i can't set a default camera anyway so i don't know if it's a different camera or not um <laughs> unfortunate um but but you know, if you're if you're in a sharing environment or something like that, maybe uh, I can imagine that something like Slack, um, maybe. So our kids, 
uh, doing robotic stuff, interacting with each other through Slack. Um, it probably pulls up the camera uh, and doesn't have its own its own camera implementation because this won't affect apps that have their own camera implementation. Snapchat, for example, has its it is its own camera app, <laughs> and so it won't affect that. But something like Slack almost certainly will. And if it's our kids dealing with you know, robotic stuff, they might need uh, macro capabilities, which perhaps the Photoshop camera might be better at or something like that. So, you know, there there's definitely scenarios for it, but I, I theoretically, I understand the reasoning and theoretically support the reasoning. I think there's a better implementation for a solution. Um, on the Android side, I feel like maybe very recently in the Android 11, 11 development cycle, something happened and Google is perhaps being forced to put this in place. Um, you know, as location data is being more scrutinized, perhaps it, this is coming out of their congressional hearings or something where they're like, you know what, we need a quick solution this is our quick solution. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's going to get it done for 11. And then in 12, maybe we'll implement something better. I don't know. Because it seems like a rushed solution to something that there's something more elegant for. I think, I think that there's businesses, and I say this with my you know, experience having worked at a few different places, not doing anything like what Google does. But businesses can be very reactive to criticism. And that's true mm -hmm. whether you're a small business or you're a huge tech business like Google. And, and right now, if you're taking criticism. Right now, especially if you're a big tech business like Google. <laughs> right. So <laughs> their goal is to avoid controversy and hassle for Google. Their goal is not to make the people who make third-party camera apps happy. Right. And in my experience with Google of late, they've gotten much, 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 much tougher on, on, on things like Chrome extensions, uh -huh. things that were perfectly fine two years ago. I had, a, I had a Chrome extension yanked out of the store because I, you know, I wasn't really supporting it anymore. That's fine, whatever. But it was perfectly good Chrome extension that 13,000 people had installed and they killed it because... They didn't like the permissions that it has today, which were perfectly fine a few years ago when I put it put it on there. So I think there's just this something going on in Google right now where they're really trying to show everybody how tough they are with security. And like a lot of security, some of it is security theater. So uh -huh. do they need to do this? Could they find a better way? Probably. And, and I think, so the solution that's in my head of, of stripping the data, because obviously the data is there because that's the concern, right? Uh, for those who don't know, the EXIF uh, metadata is uh, the header of an image. It contains information like uh, what camera was used to take the photo, uh, if you have GPS or location services enabled for your camera. It'll also... Uh, tag a GPS location uh, a coordinate of where the photo was taken. So that's obviously accessible. If, if I were implementing it 
And now this would be harder to implement. And it might be why we're not seeing it happen right now. Um, Because Android 11 theoretically is around the corner, right? Um, But the... I would, when you, when you ask for a, cam, for a photo programmatically, you ask the operating system to take a picture. And the operating system sends it to your camera. And then the camera sends it to the OS, which sends it back to your app. Um, in that process of sending it back, they could strip the location data if the, if the app doesn't have location permissions. But now the OS has to be pulling uh, uh, manifests during a camera operation and all kinds of other things, which is a much bigger thing than saying, hold on, we're just going to lock it down for right now. <laughs> uh, so I, I understand, especially this late in the development cycle for Android 11 to be implementing something like this. I think I understand the taking the quick approach and maybe we'll see them undo that and do it better in 12 or a later version of 11 hopefully because i know you know there are some environments where it would just be a it's just better to be able to use your default camera and having to swap back and forth and then import a photo instead of taking a photo it can be a real hassle so we'll see um i think i think the idea that and that Google is taking a bigger approach to uh, data protection within the app environments, though, is a good thing. I you know I I definitely support that. I think that's I think that's right. I just don't know if this is the the right or the easy way to get there. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered. Hmm. I don't know why I can't get there. We go. <laughs> it's proudly powered by PureVPN. Uh, the best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. We have talked a lot about the rights and responsibilities of both uh, media hosts and content creators over the years. And, uh, and... I think one of the places that we've we've definitely landed has been the the protection of the content creators themselves and you guys covered that this week, right? Yes. So we this week have an op-ed on Tom's hardware called No More Lip Service. Twitch game platforms still ignore hate and harassment and it is written by Natasha Zinda who goes by the name Zombie Kills on Twitch, uh, really, really great outspoken streamer, and I won't speak for her, but I think it's important to talk about the topic, which is that people are being harassed on Twitch and on other platforms, gaming platforms like Xbox. Uh, they're being, and 
the platforms are not following their responsibility to follow up on and discipline the people who are doing the harassment. So the reasons for harassment, I mean, obviously some of this, a good chunk of this harassment is directed at people of color, at women, at members of the LGB, um, LGBTQIA community. Obviously, uh, these folks are being subject to big to bigotry bullying. Uh, and what they're finding is when they report the offenders, they're not getting much of a response. And if anyone doesn't believe me, I suggest that you go onto Twitter right now and you look at who is tweeting at Twitch support and see some of the reports that are out there about things like follow botting, which is somebody just starts following you with a crazy amount of fake accounts to get you ostensibly in trouble with Twitch because you could get in trouble if you have a lot of fake accounts following you. And those follow bot accounts may have like crazy harassment or racist names. It could be like kill you or something like that. Uh, that's, that's probably a mild one I'm making up. Um, so, People are being subjected, streamers uh, are being subjected to this kind of racist, sexist, homophobic hate speech, and it's happening right there in their stream. So as soon as they log on, you know, like they start a gate, uh, as Natasha says in her op-ed, she, she was featured on the Twitch homepage. She did a stream one day with her and her daughter, who's a child. And they, as soon as they started up, they had just a slew of people like calling them all kinds of racial slurs and, and, and things like that, just from being there, just from looking at them. Now, uh, I know we have a long way to go because when we ran this op-ed, I thought this is not going to be very controversial. I mean, what, what's the controversy here? that you want to harass people or that you feel sorry for Twitch and think they're doing and other platforms and think they're doing quite a good job right now. Um, but I was surprised to see that we did actually get some comments on um, our Tom's Hardware forum where people were saying that, hey, this is freedom of speech or uh, or people, you know, you it, the internet is a harsh place and you shouldn't yeah, if you have a thin skin you should and can't take insults, you shouldn't be broadcasting on the internet. Well, what I have to say to that is, and I, uh, private platforms are not, quote unquote, the internet. They are a private establishment. So if Twitch and Xbox and anybody else does not want to take seriously the reports they get when people report a user for putting threats or hate speech or, or doing things like follow botting, I guess that is their prerogative, but it is also their prerogative as a private business to, to ban those people and to take serious disciplinary action, not just have them banned for, from one chat one, one day. And as a business, if they want people to feel safe, people of, all ethnicities, all persuasions, all backgrounds, 
to feel all genders to feel safe, then they need to do a much better job of actually taking these reports seriously and doing something about them. Clearly, there is a huge consensus uh, among streamers, particularly around Twitch, that not much is being done, that they're not doing a lot, that they're apparently, if you are reported for something like nudity, then they'll be on you right away. But if you're reported for, for, for making racist remarks uh, or threatening somebody or follow-botting somebody, that they that too often flies under the radar. And, and yet, that's, and if we go and we look, yeah. um, you know, Twitch is owned by Amazon. You've got uh, Xbox, which is Microsoft. And both of these companies are, are publicly outspoken, uh, you know, in support of LGBT. And uh, they're, they're both big vocal supporters of, of women in tech and all these things. And uh, and they've also issued public statements supporting Black Lives Matter uh -huh. in the not in the very recent past. Yes, and, and yet this is still going on. Yeah, and yet their actions don't line up. In fact, I read a uh, uh, a study that was published this week that said that the companies that are the most vocal uh, on Black Lives Matter, in particular, are the biggest offenders of the things that are being fought against um, within corporate America. Now, to be fair, right, we really don't know for sure what these companies are thinking. My guess is that they don't want to wade into controversy, that they feel like if they decide what hate speech is or they ban people for hate speech, they're going to stir up some controversy, some type of online you know, thing. They'll be accused of taking a political side and almost no business wants to be thought of as taking a political side. Mm -hmm. They and want to be thought of as neutral because, and that's a topic that you know, that you and I have covered name. that you and I have covered before, right? The the idea of when when YouTube does and does not uh, take a position on a, a particular type of content, it takes a lot for them to get there because they don't want to be seen as taking a side. Because once you start moderating content, now you're a content moderator. Yeah, exactly. This is the this is the problem, right? They're, I I understand their dilemma, and the other thing is it costs money. It mm -hmm. costs a lot of money to respond to have a staff of humans to respond to these things, and there's really interesting technical questions. So one of the things that Natasha suggests in her op-ed, which I definitely recommend people read on Tom'sHardware.com, is that the companies try to find a way to do like real bands. Um, this actually wasn't her idea. Originally, it's the idea of uh, a guy named Paris Lilly, who is a um, who runs who is on a podcast called Gamertag Radio. And he she interviewed him, and he suggested um, that they actually find a way of doing like permanent or long time IP level bands. I'm not sure how that would work technically because we know most people with home internet have a dynamic IP. So if I unplug my router today, I'll have a new IP tomorrow. And certainly I could have a different IP from going through VPN. So I get where it's difficult for the, for the platform companies to win, right? 
they maybe they can't ban people as permanently as would really make a difference. Maybe they feel like getting into these discussions, they're going to end up in you know some murky gray areas about what counts as hate speech and not. And so it is it is it is tough for a business to to do this when they're trying to a not invest a ton of resources in, in humans and b not not be seen as taking a side but unfortunately by not taking a side they are taking a side by allowing this to go unchecked or you know i'm not saying 100 percent of the reports go unchecked we really don't know but we certainly know there's plenty of reports that are going unchecked the they're giving the impression that this is tolerable on their platform and frankly it frankly it certainly would make a me as a streamer or me as a parent not so excited to go onto their platform like for you know obviously for the streamer who's trying to build an audience and do a legitimate stream and and you know they make money off of this it's a living for some uh you know having your chat room bombarded with hate speech let's even take it let's even take it to a theoretical level let's say it wasn't even hate speech it's just let's say your chat room was bombarded with somebody trying to push car insurance like that burger would also burger king you burger king because that happened yeah. this week oh so you know you still don't want that disruption that disruption stops you from doing from from having an active community so you know you're now these folks are really are like hitting you in the pocketbook because they're making your community un intolerable. But by the way, ultimately, this is bad business. It's bad business for Twitch. It's bad business for any platform that's allowing through this kind of speech. Now, one thing Natasha said is there is somebody doing it right. And you know who it is? Nintendo. Nintendo apparently is really good at kicking people off for saying bad things and doing bad things because Nintendo uh, has a brand that wants to cater to families, wants to cater to right. children. Well, if Nintendo can do it, so can all the other brands. And I know it's, it's a little strange to maybe conflate Twitch where people broadcast and something like Xbox Live where people are on chat. But the problem is the same problem, which is that people are coming in and harassing folks and they're not getting facing any consequences for it. So. You know, I, I think what can we do about it? Well, I think for one, uh, folks, one of the suggestions that Natasha has for anybody who experiences this right now is make a stink on social media, make a stink, because when you make a stink, unfortunately, the, the uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease. And if you make a stink, that's why a lot of people are probably going on making a stink. If you look at people who are tweeting at Twitch support right now, you'll see a lot of complaints about hate speech going uh, harassment going unchecked so perhaps when they see these apparently at least some of the time when they see these they have some sense of embarrassment for the brand and they try to resolve it that's kind of what social media why people do you know raise stinks on social media is because uh, brands are kind of responsive to that because they don't like the negative publicity and it so doesn't and it doesn't just have to be the streamer as a as a viewer, as a follower, as a subscriber to your favorite streamers, if somebody is being harassing in the chat, call them out. 
either in the chat or publicly, stand up for the people that you're watching, the people that you're supporting. Because yeah. as a, if, if, the companies, if the companies aren't going to be 100% responsive, we as the community can be. Yeah, also think about this. It, I'm sure the audience doesn't like it either. I mean, legit audience, you don't want to be in there having people uh, put all kinds of hateful stuff in the chat. That makes you not want to be there, right? I mean, I might really love watching somebody's stream, but if it's a if, if it's a if the chat part of it is a is a whole bunch of horrible things, that's not going to make me want to be there. And certainly, think about the fact that you do have children watching some of these things, and this is just horrible for them to see. So, uh, so I really hope that these companies will take this stuff more seriously. If that means that they have to hurt some, some of their users feelings, the ones who want to harass folks, you know, I think that they still should because right now that the side that they're taking is they are taking a side by not doing enough. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, how can we read this op-ed? Because I think everybody should. I so, read it this week, and it's great. So go to tomshardware.com and look for no more lip service. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, I just thought this was an important topic to bring up because it is, while it involves human beings doing horrible human behavior, it is a technology issue because what it's doing is it is trying to really harass people out of the gaming community, out of the Twitch community, out of the tech community. And guess what? When we make our spaces not welcoming to people, we are hurting not only the people that are being harassed, we're hurting the entire community because you have people who are being harassed out of the platform that could be some of your favorite streamers. They could be people with wonderful ideas. They could be, they could be awesome, awesome contributors. And you have a bunch of, of bigoted people trying to push them out and say, this space only belongs to people who look like me. Well, that's none of us can stand for that. Absolutely. And I can say, uh, being a streamer is not easy. Um, I I know I know someone who has done a lot of streaming and uh, it can be emotionally taxing. I know several, uh, but it can be obviously we know a lot in that community. But uh, it can be emotionally taxing. Um, even even if you're not getting harassed, it can be emotionally taxing. It can be really difficult to get on there and do it all the time because not only are you having to to focus on you know, making a stream interesting and entertaining, keep your, your subscribers and your followers, uh, engaged, but you're also having to play a game <laughs> and depending on what the game is, you, you gotta be good at it. If either you've got to be good at it or you've got to be comedically bad at it. And you know, it's, if you're, if you're, uh, doing, uh, character voices in, uh, in, in uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto. Okay, you don't necessarily have to be good at the game, uh, but you know you've got to you've got to play the game. You've got to be engaging. You've got there's a lot to it. And then to add on top of it, people being harassing of of 
race or gender or sexual orientation or any, that's just too much for a lot of people. And it's, it's not fair. We, we don't even no. technically stream something that complex. And this is emotionally taxing for us. In, in, <laughs> indeed. Well, it's not too bad, <laughs> but um, it's not too bad for us, but for me, but, um, but yeah, if you're, if you're facing, if you, if you go on and you just saw your chat room, it was just a constant stream of invective. You, you, you wouldn't want to be there. I just, I just got a message. It's madness on Twitch. Indeed it is. And that's, and that's the problem. And hopefully, hopefully there's a solution. And I really think if we, as the community can, can, uh, help call out behavior that's inappropriate, I think that'll help. Um, so as always, Avram, I, I appreciate it. This is a, this is a much, uh, deeper subject than we usually than we usually cover but it's an important one and it seems to be getting worse um over the last six months or so and the response has been no different so uh it's it's important to talk about and i appreciate it uh and as always uh but we will see you back in two weeks with a new topic as uh, we are off next week This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, uh, accessories to improve your, your online stream, or an entire gaming setup like the Razer Blade 15, you can find it all at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. So, obviously, anybody who knows us knows that we are about to talk about Epic again, because, boy, is this getting crazy. And it's, it's a little bit, it's got kind of all of the hallmarks of good um, reality television, <laughs> and so it's hard to look away from, even if you want to. Uh, obviously, last week, we talked about... We've been talking about this for more than a fortnight. <laughs> oh. So I was on I was on a show uh on Tuesday and uh, we started talking about TikTok and when all was said and done we ended up bringing up Epic and he made a similar joke but about you and I. <laughs> so it's great. He said that you and I have been talking about it for more than a fortnight and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> so it's great that we got the joke twice about us. That's actually awesome. Um, so last week, uh, Epic made a move that uh, ended in the app being removed from the App Store, as would be expected. Um, and then they filed suit against Apple, later uh, against Google for the same thing. But Epic is all about Apple. This has very little to do with Google, very little to do with Android, because... There are 
options with Android, as we talked about earlier. Um, the alternate app stores, uh, bypassing Google Play, you know, there's all kinds of options there. If they wanted to, they could release this through the Amazon App Store and move on with their day. But in Apple, the only option you have, as we've talked about, is through Apple. And uh, that means a 30% cut on uh, in-app revenue, which Epic does not like, has been very vocal about. Um, and so this week, some new information came to light. The most interesting being that before this happened, uh, CEO Tim Sweeney sent an email to Apple CEO Tim Cook warning him. So two weeks before it happened, he sent an email saying, these are the things that we would like. Um, and interestingly, one of them, Avram, was exactly what I said I thought their end game was, which was an epic game store for iOS. Um, and the other was uh, not having to uh, pay the 30% tax. Um, so we were right. <laughs> Hooray. Um, anyway, so... They said, if we don't hear back from you in two weeks, um, we'll have to make decisions. They didn't hear back in two weeks. The next email says, we didn't hear from you. So uh, we're just going to do it and uh, let the chips fall where they may. And uh, we know where the chips fell. So um, Apple submitted both of these emails uh, in a follow-up to the court. Um and there are now lots of court cases around this. The first being the antitrust case that Epic brought against Apple. Um, the second being uh, a case also from Epic against Apple because Apple retaliated over the first one. Not only was Fortnite removed from the store, but Apple has threatened to uh, pull Epic's developer account at the end of the month. Now... We have talked a lot about where Epic falls in the gaming community. And one of the things is the Unreal Engine. If Epic loses access to their developer account, the Unreal Engine will no longer be maintained for iOS or macOS. Essentially, ending gaming on those platforms. So, that is a big deal. Because as we've talked about, a lot of apps, a lot of games use Unreal. It, which is after they changed their, their pricing model, right, Avram? They went to this great pricing model for small developers, so a lot of people went with them. Uh, I guess it's a boon for Unity. <laughs> but it does mean that... But it, it would mean that games that are already built on uh, Unreal would have to rebuild. That's not going to happen. I mean, happen. I guess it doesn't stop working. It's just not going to be continuously updated. Right, and if which, you're and if you're which, an online game, that means at some point you're not going to be able to play anymore. Yeah. So, it, one thing I really like is that Epic has brought back the old Apple colors. They've taken the rainbow color, the rainbow colors from the '80s Apple, and now they're using them to mock Apple today. I um, love the free Fortnite graphic. I love that Epic set up a whole page on their website with an asset pack 
designed for t-shirts and for hats <laughs> that you can download and print or have embroidered on your own. <laughs> and it's using a similar color scheme to Apple's. Uh, it's actually out of it's out of the uh, the Fortnite play, uh, color palette, but it definitely looks a lot like the old Apple logo. Oh, and they're using the same font that Apple used for Think Different. So who's uh, who's winning in the court of public opinion? Epic. I mean, who who would feel sorry for Apple, really? Right. Only people who work there. I mean, only only Apple. And and because even then, I don't think any users want Apple to get thirty percent. Right. Users just want the best experience they can get, and right now, right. Apple is doing everything in their power to prevent that, which is playing into. Epic's narrative, the idea that they would sacrifice uh, Unreal on on iOS and macOS um, over a fairly petty dispute in the grand scheme of things um, is what Epic has been saying, that the Tim Cook Apple is very different from the Steve Jobs Apple, that Jobs was all about at least publicly. Eh. <laughs> Jobs was about user, the user experience, making sure that, that people loved their stuff. And Tim Cook, who was the chief financial officer, is all about the money side of things. It's the same thing that happened to Microsoft when Steve Ballmer took over. He was the CFO as well. Um, and, you know, taking, going from a, from a designer to a finance guy, the focus of the company changes. And that's what Epic is trying to point out here. And I think Tim Cook proved it better than Epic ever could have by saying, we're pulling your developer license at the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, look, Steve Jobs was famously a person who had quite a temper. So I don't think that Steve Jobs would have taken kindly to what Epic is doing either. No. So I, I don't think that it would have been that much different. No, I don't think so Is either. This, uh, not focusing on the user experience. Uh, I mean, the what Apple will say is that we need to have things go through our store because then we can guarantee the quality of the user experience. We are not the Wild West. We cater the experience for you. And because we cater the experience for you, we need to profit off of that. And so we think it's quite reasonable that we take 30%. That's, that is what Apple will say. Mm -hmm. Apple has also said that it is like shoplifting that they, that Epic wants to be in the store and not have Apple make money off of them. Mm -hmm. Well, mm, I guess this is an interesting callback to what computers used to be like not that long ago and are still like, depending on how you use them. When people first got PCs, in fact, probably for the first 30 years of the PC era, 35 years even, software was bought separately from the platform. Mm -hmm. You bought your software, you might buy it at the store before there was the internet on a floppy disk, but 
Microsoft w was not entitled to a pound of flesh because you went and bought an electronic arts game at the store in the mall. But now we have app stores uh -huh. and with the advent of phones, you pretty much need to have an app store, use the app store. Although on Google, you can sideload, but certainly that's the main venue through which people acquire apps uh, versus on say Windows, where there is the Microsoft store, which Microsoft would very much like you to use, but you can then go to any website that is offering a download. Mm -hmm and download something and install it. So the question is, what what's it going to be? On phones, we have this much more restrictive world that Apple pioneered, really. Mm -hmm. And because I remember I remember on my on my Palm OS phones dating back many years uh, on my uh, my Windows mobile uh, you know, six and before, you could install anything from anywhere. And then then the iPod Touch and the iPhone came about, and uh, that was the end of that. Everybody switched to that, to that model. Now, they do offer you something. They offer you discoverability, mm -hmm. and there's kind of a sheen of authenticity because they are so tough on what gets in and doesn't get in. So Apple is providing a service to the developer, but they're also forcing them to use it. And so, at this point, it's it's a crowded like, space. It's nearly as crowded as the web, as far as discoverability yeah. is concerned. If Apple wants to something to succeed, they can they can bounce it to the top. They can feature it. You know, they they have a little bit more control than than uh, is possibly safe. My prediction is this won't this won't go. My prediction is this won't go much further. It seems like it seems like they're both dug in, but my guess is how much my question is how much does Epic really want to keep this fight up? Epic is the only one who can probably the only company that can do this, short of maybe Google, because and Google's Google doesn't really have a problem because they're not charging for their apps. But they are the only ones that have enough sway that people really, Apple will really care if they're out off the platform and users will really care if they're off the platform. Well, so, well, interestingly, most interestingly, yeah. Epic has actually gotten some support from some unlikely sources this week and some likely, um, uh, the New York times and the wall street journal have both gotten behind Epic on this. Uh, also, asking for a uh, reduction of the 30% that they're getting hit for. Um, and Microsoft filed an official letter of support with the court uh, on the Unreal side of things and will likely get behind the other side if uh, they need to because Microsoft's in a similar position. They can't launch Project xCloud on, uh, on iOS if, while Google is like, yes, please, let's do this. Apple's like, nope, you cannot. So th right. there are some other big names in there, but I do think that Epic is... Epic's got the personality to be loud. 
and uh, a product in demand. So I think I think you're I right that they're the happen. they're the best face of it, um, but they do have some pretty big supporters. I mean, the, the New York Times getting behind them is a pretty big move, and so is Microsoft. On behalf of the small developers, like I really hope that I mean I'm not one of the small developers, but I really hope that they have that they stick with it. But I have a feeling that this is somewhat of a negotiating tactic. And if they cut the 30% to 10% or 15%, maybe that'll be enough to make Epic uh, be quiet and, and live with the 15%. Maybe, but I, I really think they want that game store. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. Um, I don't, I, I also don't know how far they're going to go with this, but, uh, they are a loud and weird company. So I think anything is possible. <laughs> this week's news from the tubes and F5 live is pow proudly powered by Rift tracks. Make fun of movies, or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And to find out about all of the full-length features that are available, the short films, and of course the live events, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. All right, so public service announcement. Um, if you are one of the surprisingly high number that we talked about last week of people who are, for whatever reason, still using Internet Explorer, um, it's time to start looking elsewhere. Um, even Microsoft themselves will not be supporting IE in their own products uh, starting soon. In November, uh, Microsoft Teams will no longer officially be supported. And uh, one year from now, uh, the rest of the Microsoft 365 family will not be supported. Obviously, you shouldn't be using IE, just in general. The last release of IE was in 2013. The web has changed a lot in the last seven years. The only reason IE is still in Windows 10 is for those corporate environments that are running 15-year-old web software and don't want to upgrade or rewrite. Honest to God, it's the only reason it's there. You shouldn't be using it. <laughs> um, you should have... I don't think anybody... I mean... Go ahead. Do you? Th I think that the people who are using it are using old windows. I think so too. I think those they're using version of windows before 10. Yeah, I do too. And the good news is that the Chromium version of edge is available all the way back to Vista, which I cannot believe, but, but it works all the way back to Vista. Um, so either install Chrome, install Chromium edge, be one of double Firefox's user base and install that. It, do it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to continue to give them a hard time. Um, anyway, 
it's time to put something else on your computer. Also, if you are um, entrenched in the legacy edge, I've got bad news for you. Support for that is coming to a complete end uh, at the beginning of next year. And uh, that's probably because they're going to replace it on your computer uh, with the Chromium Edge, which, honest to God, way better. Um, we're no yeah. longer trying to build our own rendering engine, which is fine. There's an open source community building a rendering engine that honestly is the most uh, W3C compliant rendering engine out there. Uh, so say goodbye to the old stuff. It's time to get on the new stuff. And honestly, I don't care which new thing you go to. Go to Chrome, go to Edge, go to Firefox, whatever. Get to something that is being maintained and works better because none of this old stuff is going to keep working anymore uh, very soon. So, and I think, honestly, I think it's time, right? It's time for Microsoft to, to bring all of their vision together and uh, stop trying to, to support old stuff, stop trying to build their own rendering engine. Just one path, one easy path of making, hopefully, the best product, right? That's the goal. And if you can't make the best rendering engine, put the best stuff around the one that exists. It's how they started. IE1 was based on, uh, on um, oh, what was it? Netscape. Spyglass, which was what everybody was based on at the time. But it was uh, the Spyglass browser that they put stuff around. Going back to the basics. But, but Scott, what if I want to surf the web in Windows with the AOL browser? So Netscape. <laughs> it's called Firefox no, now. No, no, <laughs> no, the one that was built. Before? The one that was built into the AOL client. That was also Spyglass. That has the triangle rotating. That was also Spyglass. Yeah, that was it because it was terrible. It uh -huh. was the worst that I ever used because it actually blurred images really, really bad. Yeah, it did. Um, oh, yeah. The, re the, the image engine that AOL had was the worst. Oh, my God. It was so bad. I think they did it on purpose. I, I used to tell people, and I still believe this, that they did it on purpose because this was back in the day. You're talking now, we're going all the way back to the mid to late 90s mm -hmm. when people were still using dial-up AOL a lot. And dial-up AOL, you had to install the software, which everybody had because they mailed it to everybody, whether you had it or you needed it or you wanted it or not. You ready for this? And then the browser... I cleaned, I cleaned off one shelf in the office on Saturday. No, Friday. And I threw away 45 AOL CDs. <laughs> used, oh, used to use them as frisbees nice. and coasters but yeah the uh, the jewelry that someone could make with that i mean unbelievable but yeah so there the thing on aol used to be you would have aol's version of a website which was keyword something mm -hmm. right you'd have to type in keyword something and you would get their like their area of aol so I think that AOL didn't want people to go to the real internet because they thought, realized that people go to the real internet, they don't need AOL anymore. Mm -hmm. They can just use any old service to get them onto the internet and not, not AOL. Yeah. So 
you know, they made a web browser that made the internet look ugly compared to their channels on their software. But uh, that makes sense. Anyway, we uh, we we digress because <laughs> I don't think that works anymore. But probably it does give not. me the idea that I, it does give me the idea that I would probably that it would be hilarious one day to just get emulators to emulate a slew of old web browsers and visit modern websites with them and just see how bad they look and how how much you lose. If I get like Netscape from 1995 and I try to visit uh, my website, Tom's Hardware with it, how far will I get? What about if I use Lynx text browser? Oh my God, Avram, I'm doing this. I have, yeah. I have, uh, in my in my journeys as part of this this pack and move, I have uh, installers for uh, installation media for Windows going all the way back to three one, and I have uh, Mac OS back to version seven. Oh, so you just you're going to install the whole operating system? I was just going to look for some kind of emulator, which I'm sure somebody, I'm sure I wouldn't, I'm not the first person to have this idea. I'm sure a billion people have done it already, but, uh, I'd be amused to try to try it. Yeah. Hit the, hit the, the top 15 or something like that and show, show what they look like in different versions of the browsers over the years. That would be amazing. (laughs) I'm totally doing this. I've, I've got so many old computers around here. Some of them, some of them with all, all the way back to 95. I am doing this on hardware. I'm <laughs> as soon as we move, that's, that's going to be a project. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Um, but anyway, browsers going away. PSA. That's all. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. In addition to your free shipping, there's a whole lot more that you can get, including free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You can get free games and a free subscription on Twitch with the newly named Amazon Gaming and a whole lot more. Uh, And you can learn more. Uh, get links to all of these features, a free 30-day trial, and uh, give Amazon Prime as a gift, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, DC made an announcement that uh, they were doing some restructuring. Uh, A lot of employees were let go, including some upper management. And... They had on the schedule uh, DC Fandom, which it, uh, just took place. And as such, we got to see a lot of new content. Um, we'll cover the content a little bit, um, but there's a more interesting uh, topic. Uh, so they talked about Suicide Squad. They showed both the new film. Uh, which is uh, from uh, James Gunn, the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and the trailer looks like it's going to be a little bit classic uh, Suicide Squad, a little bit uh, classic James Gunn comedy, which I think is a good mix, 
And uh, he said that it's going to be unlike anything you've seen. Um, there's also a new game, uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which allows you to uh, attack those that you usually play as, which I think is a, an interesting concept. You know, you're going you're gonna to play as the Suicide Squad and go after Batman and go after Superman. That, that's Have you super played Lego weird. DC Villains? I haven't. That, so that's the game that my son and I, I mean, that game is like two years old, but that's a game my son and I have been playing a bunch lately on, on Switch. Great, great, funny game. Although, to be fair, the you you do play it, you do play as the villains, but to be fair, most of the time, the good guys that you're fighting are actually bad guys in disguise, so it's not quite, quite as subversive. Sure, sure. But... Uh, as you might have it, but you get to play as the Joker or and and as Harley Quinn and and all those uh, really fun. I love the Lego games. Me those too. Those are my favorite favorite video games. Yeah, so. I I love them too. And uh, since since the the new place doesn't have internet yet, uh, having the Xbox over there, I play on discs. And uh, my my Lego Indiana Jones <laughs> has been my go-to. Uh, oh man, that's that's old school. That's like what, like eight, nine, ten years old. Yeah, it that's... it was one of the games that shipped with one of the Xbox 360 bundles. So yeah, that ages it pretty yeah. good. Um, so in addition to the Suicide Squad, uh, the other side is of course the Justice League. Uh, and so um, when the movie came out, it was originally done by Zack Snyder, and then he left and handed it over to Joss Whedon. There had been rumors that there was a Snyder cut of the film. Turns out, yep, certainly was. Uh, and it is being released on HBO Max. We got a trailer for that. And uh, the tone is seems very different than the Joss Whedon uh, version that hit the market. So that'll be fun and uh, possibly something to watch on HBO Max. Um, under the Batman franchise, we got... Uh, a look at a film and a game. We have the first look at the Robert Pattinson Batman. Um, I'm a little concerned that as Bruce Wayne, he looks a little bit like emo Peter Parker from the third Spider-Man movie. Um, but as Batman, he seems to be comfortable in that role and he looks like Batman. So that's good. The weird eye thing that's happening gets covered by the mask. Um, unfortunately the car is, uh, sad, sad looking, sad. Looks like they took an old car and cut the end off and put a rocket on the back. It's very silly. I hate it. There's, <laughs> I, I feel like we need a break from Batman. I know I'm probably the only person to say it, but I feel like there's been enough Batman movies for a while. I feel like there should be a break from Batman. Mike, for me, the best Batman will always be Michael Keaton. So I don't, I, I'm probably one of the only people who didn't really like the Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Bat, Batman, Batman movies. So the, uh, eh, I'm really not too enthused. I mean, it looks all right. I think uh, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner Gordon looks really uh, good. Looks like a, a good casting choice. Uh, the 
but the thing, the very criticism that a lot of people have had of the DC films that they're use a dark color palette and that they're very kind of grungy and depressing. Uh, this really embraces that. Yeah, this really does. dives right in to grungy and depressing. Yeah, it does. And, it uh, definitely, it, it definitely, uh, they said, all right, so if, if Batman is going to look like, like emo Peter Parker, so is Gotham. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And also like every character in it, is that, is the Joker supposed to be in it? Or are there just a whole bunch of characters who look like the Joker? Fair because question. I don't know that we have that information yet. It, yeah. Because, so, because in the one scene, it's just like a whole gaggle of dollar store jokers. Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, what a, uh, I, I, you when, know, when you order your, when you order your Joker on wish. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I would much rather that they expend some energy making a sequel to Shazam, because I thought Shazam was was probably the best. I mean, Wonder Woman was really good, too. Wonder Woman and Shazam showed the direction that DC movies should go, uh, although they're very different from each other. Shazam mm-hmm. was kind of lighthearted and, and fun, and uh, Wonder Woman was fun, but not quite as lighthearted. I'm so excited for Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I think uh, I think that that movie looks fantastic. And now we're in the trailer that the, the cheetah is really the cheetah. So that's um, that looks awesome. And I like that she looks like the Wonder Woman from the first movie. Like her personality, her and not the weird kind of watered down version that she was in the justice league movie. Um, yeah, that's the thing. They, they ruin everything. And there's no way that, that let's just be honest. There's no way that Zack Snyder's cut is going to be any good. It'll be a little bit better. It could be a little bit better than the, because it's hard to be worse, but you can't like the special effects are terrible in the justice league. I don't know. Maybe if they redo some of them, they, everything looks incredibly fake. Looks like a video game from the nineties. Mm-hmm. The the acting is terrible. The dialogue is terrible. The entire plot is terrible. I don't I don't know how you could save it. And none like, of the characters could, felt as full bodied as they did in their individual films. None of them right. felt like the same people, even though they were the same characters played by the same actors. None of them felt like the same people. Yep, it, I mean, hard to say. Superman, I kind of feel like Henry Cavill Superman's been kind of flat anyway, but, and, yeah. And yet it was still a watered-down version of flat. <laughs> yeah, it was it's, it's, terrible. Now, I'm kind of more interested in the, the thought that I've been hearing on the internet, which I find extremely hard to believe, that there is a Lucas cut of the, of rise of Skywalker. Now, since George Lucas did not direct it, I don't know how there's a Lucas cut of it, but there's, there's a guy who apparently is in the know about these things. who keeps posting videos about the Lucas cut and Lucas has made his own edit of it. And there are other scenes in it that you missed. And uh, uh, who, who knows? There's always hope springs eternal for there to be director's cuts of things that solve the problems with the things. Uh-huh. Have you seen 
when have you seen a director's cut of something that really that that really solved the problems with it? Can you name one? No. No. But in fairness, if there's going to be a chance, it could be Justice League only because the director changed. And so, mm. you know what I mean? Going from Zack Snyder to Actually, Joss Whedon before it came out. Uh, there's astute, astute viewers or listeners will, will jump in and point out, and this is the one instance of a director's cut I've seen where it does definitely improve on the original, but the original, in my opinion, wasn't bad. Superman 2. So Richard, Richard Donner... <laughs> For those unfamiliar, Richard Donner was hired as director of Superman 1 with Christopher Reeve. And he was supposed to be shooting back-to-back Superman 1 and Superman 2. And there was a lot of connective tissue between them. Like the first Superman actually had a General Zod in it for a minute. And then they fired Richard Donner in the middle of the process and ended up reshooting a bunch of the movie. Gene Hackman who played Lex Luthor, was so angry that he actually, I think, didn't show up for the reshoots. So they had a, uh, somebody like dub him over or like a body double and things like that. <laughs> and they don't have Marlon Brando in like the flashbacks or anything at the beginning of Superman 2 because this other guy, Richard Lester, who had directed a Beatles movie, uh, was brought in to take over for Richard Donner. So then a few years ago, they did a Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, and it was indeed better. But... I liked Superman too. I thought it was pretty good in the first place. So that it, this was definitely better, but it didn't save a bad movie and mm-hmm. make it good. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, a lot of the problem, and, and I've talked about this before. I don't know if on the show or not, but I've talked about this before. One of the problems with the justice league versus the Avengers is that, that Marvel made the decision that the, that the characters in the Avengers would be maintained by their franchise director. So so that there's continuity of character when they come together. And and DC didn't do the same thing with the Justice League, so so your individual directors didn't have much if any say in their character's development within the Justice League. So while it theoretically takes place in the same universe, they're not quite the same people because they're not being maintained by the people who maintain the characters, which I think is a huge mistake yep. and is the reason, one of the main reasons why, why she in particular, Wonder Woman in particular, is so different because, you know, she's directed by a very talented female director uh, for the Wonder Woman films, and she was not for for the Justice League, you know, there were the the little things that people pointed out in the first movie, like the fact that when she she lands, her legs move. Yeah, because she's alive. <laughs> and in the Justice League, there was none of those little imperfections that showed that she's a person. It all looked like you said There's so video gaming. Wrong with that movie, but the. But one of the ones that is just the most inexcusable is the poor quality of special effects. Like, mm-hmm. how many mil- hundreds of millions did they spend on it to get these horrible special effects? Yeah. Like, it's it's just terrible. Period. Agreed. I, mean, I hear they're going to redo some of the special effects. That could make it a little better, but I don't see how you can make like Jesse Eisenberg into a good Lex Luthor with, True. with editing. True. Yeah. 
because uh, uh, Zuckerberg. Um, but so so here's my concern about all of this. So DC does this big downsizing. They shift all of the good stuff out of the DC Universe uh, streaming platform over to HBO Max, but don't shut down DC Universe, which is its own weird decision. And then they hold this thing where they show off a whole bunch of exciting stuff. Is this is this like a Warner Media fire sale? What? There's all this good stuff. It's been in development for a while. But is this the end of these characters? What can we expect uh, I going think it forward? Really depends on how much money. I think it really sure. depends on how much money they make off of it. That that's that's the bottom line. Now, here's a better question: Is this the end of a lot of tentpole movie franchises? Because the movie theater is in trouble. Mm-hmm. True. The AMC theaters. Haven't we talked about this in, on a recent show? Like AM, AMC theaters are in are in big trouble. Weren't they recently offering people like fifteen cent tickets or uh-huh. something like that? If you agree not to sue them, if you get COVID nineteen, yes, something like that, something like that. Hearing. Like they and all of these movies, they don't have a release date and, and the trailer at least, except Wonder but Woman. They say only. I didn't say only in. Th- I thought it just said only in theaters. October second, twenty twenty, is the current release schedule for Wonder Woman. It's the only uh, one with a date, and, and it's the third one. They've moved it twice. Right. And October second, twenty twenty, is probably not when it's going to come out. <laughs> and the yeah. trailer, the trailer may very well. I didn't pay attention. The trailer may very well have skipped a date, which would be a smart move because there's no way October two is happening. Yeah, I I feel bad for them. And some would say, I mean, I feel bad a little bit for, um, like, the people who make Wonder Woman. But it's it's a hard time to to come out with films. They probably should just wait until things are a little better, maybe next spring. Agreed. I apologize. When I said October 2, my brain went to places. Um that was the date that uh, Hero uh, jumped to the future in the first season of Heroes, I think. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow, what a good memory! Because I, I, I didn't, I didn't. I can hear him saying, uh, when he asks what the they say what the date is, he goes, "No, October 2. So when I said it, I'm like, ah. I think that's from Heroes. I can hear Hero saying that. Sorry, my brain works weird wow. sometimes. That's been a long time since I've thought much about heroes. But it's on Peacock. Yeah. We have so the movies are in trouble. So I think that any of these movies, these franchises is in trouble. Because how are they going to power the franchise if like they're not going to make enough in selling on demand, period. Sure. So they have to wait till people are willing to go to the movie theater. They can't release Wonder Woman straight straight to video. I mean, if they did, I would, I would pay. I would pay the good money to see it. What I have a feeling. Wonder Woman. Wonder won't. Woman. They might be able to. If any of them could, they, it would be that one. If any of them could, not saying that it can, 
But if any of the DC films could, it would be that one. But so I don't a, think it can. It's not a interesting question. It's not that. Trolls, which is a sad thing to have to say. But Trolls made way more in on demand than they than they ever expected it to do in uh, yeah. theaters. We we actually did pay. We actually did pay for that because it happened to coincide with my son's birthday, and nah. he wanted to see it. But it poses a very interesting question, which I will pose to you. So, what do you get for going to the movie theater? What What are the benefits of going to the movie theater versus watching something at home? Big screen, better sound. Big screen, big screen, better sound. Some people, uh, it's it's a night out. So if True. you're going, if you have other people that you want to go out dinner and a movie, that's something, right? And you see things when they come out. True. Right. So how much of that experience is how much is spending the good money on that experience is seeing it right away and how much of it is the other things right because when they come out with something like trolls and they charge 15 20 bucks to watch it and then three months later you can rent it for five bucks or buy it for 20 bucks what you're paying for is to not wait three months Mm -hmm. so how many people to watch it on the same exact television that you would have watched it on three months earlier. So how much is your impatience worth to you? Right. Yeah. It it might be that when you take away the movie theater and the going out part of it, that you say, you know what? I'll just wait three months. Don't have anybody spoil it for me. And, and I'll watch it in three months for cheaper. And that is what will be death to to movies because they can't afford to make these $200 million movies and just have people renting them for five bucks. Mm-hmm. True. Or, or buying them for joy. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can monetize it enough, but I, it, it seemed, it's seemingly unlikely apart from Netflix spending inordinate amounts of money for ridiculous movies like bright, uh, where they spend over a hundred million on the, most of which went to Will Smith himself or something. Probably, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, most most things that are on on TV on demand only, they cannot be spending hundreds of millions of dollars to produce. Right. So, how do you end up with having more like major superhero movies if people aren't going to see them in the theater? And this could be a really big realignment in how people view entertainment uh-huh. because movie theaters have been dying for years. And this is, this is, this could be the, the, the last straw. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is also one of the things my brother and I were talking about the other night is that this is probably um, the other realignment for the entertainment industry is um, ending the centralization of production. Uh, you know, movies, movies have basically been confined to three places for a long time. And this is probably going to be the end of that. They're going to start looking for other ways to find those pennies to keep production down. And, you know, LA, uh, Toronto and, and Atlanta aren't going to be it anymore. So, you know, any, every penny they can find, they're going to start looking for so that they can try and produce produce the content so you know well i think we're gonna see after this a big change in the way the entertainment industry works because you know the 
the stuff in the Arrowverse is well produced. I mean, the content may not be as great, but that's just, I think, writers. Oh, no, don't you say that. Oh, don't say that to me. I think they should take over. That they should take. They should put Greg Berlanti who's in charge of those in charge of the movies. I. You don't like the Arrowverse. Uh, I think. I think they try and do too much. Social commentary for me to to enjoy it most of the time. Uh, I think I think they're well produced. I think they're they're good. I think that they they tip in a direction that I don't enjoy content wise a lot, but I think they're well produced. I think they're well directed. I th- they're great content and they're way less expensive, but they still look good. They still function well and they're well watched. So I think we're going to see more stuff go that direction. I was going to give them credit on that. I think we're going to see stuff go more that direction, more, you know, uh, Arrowverse, Stranger Things, that type of thing where it's not the same big budget, but in that same in that same dollar amount, they're making ten episodes instead of ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, I'm sure people. I'm sure people can do it, but you know, I think I wonder about some of these tentpole, move. You know, summer movies that yeah. that were coming out. Will we see movies like Avengers Endgame again? Probably not, at least not for a long time. I mean, the budget for that, not only the special effects, but how many actors did they have to pay? Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely a big film. I think think the entertainment's going to come out of this very different, and uh, I bet the end result is a good thing. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us, chat with us in the studio during the show, give us your feedback on the topics. We always love to hear that. If you can't join us live, that's okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. We'll show you all of our shows and the many, many ways that you can Uh, watch listen and follow along Uh, next week we will be off because the studio will be in pieces Uh, and we will be back the next week in our new studio which we are all very excited about Um, so look forward to that and with that on behalf of the staff that's not here I'm Scott I'm Abram and we will see you guys back in two weeks ciao